Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is episode 35 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind. The Grizzlies and the rest of the NBA heading into the final week of the regular season and getting ready for the postseason. Grizzlies have locked up the two seed in the Western Conference, which means they will play the winner of the 7-8 game in the play-in tournament, which will happen next week. The Grizzlies have also wrapped up the Southwest Division title. And so we'll, we'll detail a little bit more about that and the most recent game that the Grizzlies played against the Phoenix Suns. That was very remarkable. We'll recount that in That Was the Week That Was. Some Petey's points. And then a special friend of the program. He's a return friend of the program. Jared Greenberg of NBA TV and the NBA on TNT joins me. We had an extended conversation. We're going to uh, drop it in two parts. Part one will be uh, today. And then uh, we'll drop uh, the second part of the conversation in episode 36, which should be uh, live coming up on Thursday as the Grizzlies wrap up this two-game road trip that will start in Salt Lake City and end in Denver. That's what we've got for today's program, which is being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. They've helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. Now, if you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. All right, let's get to that was the week that was. So the Grizzlies... Win a game in San Antonio. Keldon Johnson missing a layup at the horn. And the Grizzlies walking away with a one-point victory uh, in San Antonio on Wednesday night. In winning that game, the Grizzlies clinched the two-seed in the West. And they also clinched the Southwest Division title. First-ever division title for the Memphis Grizzlies. So you go into the Friday game. It's uh, it's going to be on NBA TV, center court, uh, all-referee access, very special production. Grizzlies taking on the team with the best record in the NBA and the Phoenix Suns. And uh, the Grizzlies, they sit some guys. And <laughs> they, they do. Uh, let me just read from the official box score. Desmond Bain was technically active, but was held out, did not dress, sore left ankle. Steven Adams, left calf soreness. Jaron Jackson Jr., right thigh return from injury management. Tyus Jones, left hand. John Morant, right knee. And Killian Tilly, left knee. So the Grizzlies started just their 16th different lineup this season with Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Xavier Tillman getting his first start of the season, Zaire Williams, and DeAnthony Melton, your point guard. Remember, you don't have Tyus Jones. You don't have John Morant. You do not have a traditional point guard. And so Taylor Jenkins saying before the game, we're going to do this by committee. And he was absolutely right. Every starter had three or more assists. And Xavier Tillman was your leading assist guy with seven So all five starters and Brandon Clark off the bench all had three or more assists, and the Grizzlies posted 30 assists in this game. Meanwhile, they're going up against a Phoenix Suns team that was playing for a bit of history. They were sitting on 62 wins. 63 would have given them a new franchise record. This was a a game where the Grizzlies and Dylan Brooks, particularly in the first quarter, decided that they were going to handle their business and they were not going to take a backseat to the Phoenix Suns, regardless of who the Grizzlies had or did not have available in this game. Grizzlies got out to a 34-23 lead after one quarter. Third quarter is when things got a little dicey and the Suns actually took a three-point lead. Fourth quarter, 
Grizzlies come on, outscore Phoenix 38-31. One of the highlights of this game, Santi Aldama, a pump fake, a drive, and a reverse slam. The reaction from the Grizzlies bench was priceless and tells you everything you need to know about this basketball team, about how closely knit they are, how they root for one another. Santi Aldama has been playing uh, in South Haven with the Memphis Hustle, averaging about 22 a game. Didn't get a whole lot of run uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies because there are a lot of guys ahead of him. He comes in and plays 21 minutes and goes for 12 points and five rebounds and a block shot. Did not look out of place. Did not look like an NBA rookie uh, in this game. And probably the best thing is Santi did not try a three. Santi likes to try threes periodically, and it's not usually a good idea. Grizzlies in the first half held Chris Paul to one assist. Well, he had 10 in the second half, but he only had eight points. Jay Crowder, eight points. DeAndre Ayton in this game, and DeAndre Ayton has had a fantastic season, but he appeared to be relatively disinterested in this game. In foul trouble most of the night, did have 12 rebounds, but only nine points. Grizzlies go on to win this game, 122-114. to 114. Grizzlies with seven in double figures, including three off the bench. Dylan Brooks with a team-high 30. Melton, 17. Zaire, 19. X had 13. Kyle Anderson only had six points, but he did have 10 rebounds in this game. And the Grizzlies won the rebounding battle by a margin of nine against a pretty good rebounding team in Phoenix. The other thing the Grizzlies did, these are two of the most ball-secure teams in the NBA. Both of them average about two fewer turnovers per game than their opponent. The Grizzlies forced nine more turnovers from Phoenix than the Grizzlies coughed up themselves. The Grizzlies were plus 17 in points off turnovers, and the Grizzlies also on the offensive glass, insane. 16-2 edge and offensive rebounds. The Grizzlies put up 30 second-chance points. I think it's the sixth time this year they have put up 30 or more second-chance points. It, It was really amazing and made all the more amazing by the fact that Taylor Jensen... Taylor Jenkins got kicked out in the second quarter. John Conchar absolutely got steamrolled. And if you saw the NBA TV clip of Zach Zarba talking with Natalie Sago and Tom Washington, this was part of the all-access um, that the NBA allowed uh, on NBA TV. Zach Zarba saying, hey, that was a foul. Taylor Jenkins just lost his mind. <laughs> he was protecting his guy. And Natalie Sago hit him with two quick texts, and he was gone. So Darko Ryakovich, who, interestingly enough, had been an assistant with Phoenix in the 1920 season, takes over as the head coach. Uh, Grizzlies gave up the lead, but ultimately they go on and they win the game. It was a crazy, crazy night. It was a sellout crowd. It was a loud crowd. It was a rowdy crowd. It was a playoff-style atmosphere. And the Grizzlies and their fans took great joy in what happened that this shorthanded Grizzlies team would beat the Phoenix Suns, who were at full strength. And, and Monty Williams, their coach afterwards, said, look, we, we just didn't come out with, with the correct level of effort. Very, very unlike Phoenix. Um, if, if, there is a, a, if there is an Achilles heel with this Phoenix team, when you look at their body language, when you talk to people in the organization – they feel that they're the best team in the NBA and that the championship, they might as well hand them the trophy right now. By record, they are the best team in the NBA. They are the favorites to win it all, but we're not there yet. And the Grizzlies become the first team 
to beat Phoenix twice this season, which is a pretty, pretty remarkable deal. Devin Booker did go for 41. Much of that was window dressing after the game had been decided. Uh, Grizzlies led at one point by as many as 16. So Booker, a game-high 41, but again, like I said during the course of the telecast, pretty much window dressing. Grizzlies win at 122-114. They're now 55-23 and on the season. Phoenix fell to 62-15, and and then a couple nights later, they did rest guys in Oklahoma City and lost to the Thunder. So that was, that was the week that was. All right, let's get some PD's points for you. Uh, number one, you know, you talk to people around the NBA and they are saying this Grizzlies team is a legitimate contender that's not something that you would not have before this season you would not have thought of this Grizzlies team as a legitimate championship contender I think everybody's best hope for this team was a top six seed that you would avoid the play-in because the play-in you know it's it's particularly if you're in the 9-10 game you you lose you're done uh, at least in the 7-8 game, if you lose, you have another opportunity to try to win a game. Grizzlies don't have to worry about that. So not only do they make the top six, I mean, they're a top two team in the West, top two team in the NBA in terms of record, and doing a lot of it without John Morant. Uh, so when you talk to people around the NBA, and, and you know, we talk to media relations directors, other broadcasters, uh, people around the league, and, and, and all of them are saying, you realize you guys have a chance to win the whole thing. That's kind of heady stuff, and it will be interesting to see how this Grizzlies team will respond, knowing that they're going to have home court uh, probably for the first two rounds of the, for the first couple of rounds of the playoffs, assuming that, that they win in the first round. Do they end up in a conference finals matchup with Phoenix? Who knows? If Phoenix gets knocked off and the Grizzlies make it to the conference finals, the Grizzlies actually could have home court for the conference finals, which 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 is pretty heady stuff. This is a legitimate contender because they are deep, because they have some star power. The one thing that is going to be thrown in their face time after time is your relative lack of playoff experience. And and that is that is very real. Um, I thought it was interesting. Monty Williams mentioned uh, in his pregame media availability in Memphis about playoff experience. Monty Williams pointed out, he said, you really don't understand it until you actually go through it. And Monty Williams, until last year, had not won a playoff series as a head coach. And so after he won that first series, that was all undiscovered country for him. And so it, it very much could be the same case for the Grizzlies this year. But maybe they're just young enough and cocky enough to, uh, to not worry about that. And, and maybe they will shock the world. But they are a legitimate contender. Uh, next, Taylor Jenkins. Look, he, to me, he's, he's got to be coach of the year. I know that you can talk about what Dick Nurse has done in Toronto can certainly talk about what Monty Williams has done in Phoenix. Situation in Phoenix is they have been extremely healthy. They have started, I think, the fewest number of different starting lineups in the NBA this year, so they have had an element of consistency. True, they lost Chris Paul for a period of time. Uh, true, they're, they're on the cusp of setting a new franchise record for, for wins, but that was more or less expected. And the way the coach of the year voting seems to go, it seems to go to the coach that his team has exceeded expectations and I think when you look at what the expectations were for the Grizzlies coming in where they are now as a two seed in the west second best record in the NBA third best road record in the NBA the fact that they've not had John Morant for for 22 games now you have to look at this team and say okay Taylor Jenkins clearly has done some amazing stuff to get this team to this point and the fact that the Grizzlies took out Phoenix 
with his depleted roster, I think has to really be a, a big a, a big check mark in, in his favor. Interesting to see how it all turns out. Stan Van Gundy agrees with me. Not that that means anything. I think St- I, I hope Stan has a vote. I don't have a vote. Hopefully Stan has a vote and he'll vote for Taylor Jenkins as coach of the year. Next, uh, the decision to bench and rest guys against Phoenix. I know from an entertainment perspective and from a ticket buyer's perspective, it probably wasn't all that popular, but the Grizzlies were looking at a situation where you've got guys that are banged up a little bit. Steven Adams has played through numerous injuries. He's had his ankles rolled up on numerous times. Jaron obviously had the sore thigh. You give him an extra day. Uh, Desmond Bain probably playing with, with nagging injuries throughout the year. Again, if this is a playoff game, Desmond Bain plays. You're playing a game on Friday night. You are not playing again until Tuesday. And then you're going to be playing at altitude in two consecutive games, Tuesday at Utah, Thursday at Denver. You have an opportunity. In the grand scheme of things, the Grizzlies have locked in the division title. They've locked in the second seed. Phoenix is locked in everything. What's there to play for? And so you understand that in the bigger picture, resting those guys or holding those guys out, it, it was the right move by Taylor Jenkins, right move by the, the athletic performance staff of the Grizzlies. Again, wasn't positive. You get to the gym and you're like, this guy's not playing. This guy's Who's going to play? Uh, and the Grizzlies win it anyway. Proves the depth of the Grizzlies. And, and like I said, you hate when the frontline guys are missing from an entertainment perspective. People pay good money for tickets. They want to see Jaron. Uh, they want to see Ja. They want to see Dez. They want to see Steven Adams. Not available. It's, it's one of the things that uh, is very, very difficult, and I know the NBA is, is, is grappling with. But look, if, if, you, if you can get a couple extra days of rest for your key guys – Going into a very tough four-game stretch because New Orleans is playing for something, Boston potentially playing for something, uh, Denver and Utah, both of them trying to solidify their positions in the Western Conference. These are four tough games coming up, and the last two are going to be a back-to-back, which brings me to the final PD's point, which is starting times were released for the games on Saturday and on Sunday. Uh, The NBA held those as TBD until the final weekend, trying to figure out where the playoff races are. We know that the game on Saturday against New Orleans will start at 5 o'clock Central Time. We'll have it for you uh, on Bally Sports Southeast. It'll also be carried on NBA TV. Nationally, if you're watching on NBA TV, it's going to be our feed, so you get to hear us on a national basis. The Boston game will be Sunday at 6 o'clock. Uh, we don't have any national television information at this point. If it would be on NBA TV, my understanding is that that game will also be on Bally Sports Southeast. So we will have local coverage for both of those games. Again, that's Saturday at 5 against New Orleans, Sunday at 6 against Boston, and then that is the end of the regular season. One more programming note. Uh, You've probably heard this before. I'll clarify it for you one more time before we get to our friend of the program, and that is this. Uh, NBA broadcasting rules allow regional networks to carry the first round of the NBA playoffs on games that are not carried by ABC. We can go side-by-side with TNT. We can go side-by-side with ESPN. So unless a game has been picked up by ABC, you will get all those games on Bally Sports Southeast. Assuming the Grizzlies get to the second round, then it all becomes national. And so the only local call will be Eric Hasseltine on 92.9 FM. 
and um, the Grizzlies radio network. Brevin and I will have to sit and watch. But there will be programming on Bally Sports Southeast. We're working out the details on that. So that's how the uh, the postseason is going to go from a broadcast perspective. So that does it for Petey's Points. Uh, we got Jared Greenberg coming up as our friend of the program. But first, we tell you today's show is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The NHL season has been packed with Dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big, too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp because everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Wyoming, and West Virginia. In Arizona, it's 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, New Hampshire, 1-800-522-4700. In Connecticut, 888-789-7777 or ccpg.org slash chat. In Iowa, it's 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, and that is 467-369. In Oregon, visit opgr.org. And then in Tennessee, you could call or text the Tennessee Red Line, which is 800-889-9789. Or in Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Again, you must be 21 or older, 18 or older in New Hampshire or Wyoming. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And with that, let's get to our friend of the program. You see him on NBA TV and the NBA on TNT, sideline reporter extraordinaire. It's been my pleasure to work with him on NBA TV, on NBA playoff games, and also the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. He is a voter for NBA postseason awards and one of the most well-connected guys in the NBA. He's Jared Greenberg, and he's our friend of the program. Jared, anytime I have anybody who has a national view of the NBA, I have to ask him about the Grizzlies because Brevin and I, we have like the 1,000-foot view. You have the 35,000-foot view of everything. So what's the national perception of the Grizzlies and the job that Taylor Jenkins has done? Pete, no freaking clue (laughs) what is going on. I mean, Taylor Jenkins right now, by the way, that ejection the other night was fantastic. Never seen him get that emotional. That was great. Um, But – I, I don't get it. I don't, you know, I, I speak to some great, brilliant basketball minds on a regular basis and nobody can figure this whole thing out. It's spectacular. Um, the more pieces they miss, the better they seem to get. 
It, it is absolutely wild. Um, and, and, and I don't know that that's, you know, a formula. I don't think you want to count on this. I think. No, I don't you, think so. <laughs> you you want to be, you know, full strength come playoff time. But I think, I think the Grizzlies have shown, and I think it's, it's to the brilliance of Taylor Jenkins and his coaching staff that they've been able to adapt to different situations. I think the fault of many NBA organizations and many NBA head coaches is that they're so narrow minded, narrow thinking about how they have to win a game. And if things don't go a certain way or a certain player is either unavailable or off or not playing his game, they can't figure things out. And I think that's really um, it's a beautiful thing to watch the Grizzlies. Um, you know, you feel like um, you feel like you're watching a playoff game every time the Grizzlies play. And that's a lot of fun because I think we've lost a lot of that. We've lost a lot of the integrity of the regular season over the last few years with load management or teams not taking it as seriously or teams taking it for granted. And I think ultimately what we're going to see here, um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll bounce around the NBA here, but we'll, we'll, we're going to see that teams that, that took a pass on taking this regular season seriously, that's ultimately going to come back and bite them in the regular, in the postseason. Yeah. You know, Taylor Jenkins was asked, actually, just kind of going off on a detour here. Taylor Jenkins was asked before the Phoenix game, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the 82 game regular season? Because, you know, if, if it's a playoff game, those guys, Jaron and Bain and, and Ja, probably could have played. But you were looking at a scenario now. Memphis doesn't play until Tuesday night in Utah. So you get an extra night of rest. The Grizzlies mm-hmm. have clinched the two seed. They clinched a division title. And he was asked, what about the 82-game season? And he kept it very, very close to the vest. Didn't want to give an answer one way or the other. I know television contracts play a huge role in this. But is there ever a time that you could conceive of there not being 82 regular season games. There is. And, and I, you know, I love the answers Adam Silver, the commissioner has given over the last few years about this, that there's nothing marrying us to 82. And, and he said, we're always exploring and investigating um, the best way to deliver our product. My, my issue is whether we go down to 72 or 66 or, or 54, I believe that people and teams and doctors and scientists are still going to find a reason and a way to prove that guys should not play on a certain night. And I think it's mystifying. And, um, you know, what happened on Friday night, I think, was um, it's not a good sign for the league, Um, not just. Not, not the, the, the Memphis game, I, you know, and not, I'm not just saying this because you're, you know, I'm talking to you right now, but I almost understand where they're coming from. The, the game that mystified me was the, the Clipper, uh, Bucks game when everyone sat. You know, I, I just, I feel for, I feel for our fans and Pete, you and I, uh, who work, uh, on television and our, 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 you know, networks are paying a lot of money to, to this league, pouring a lot of money into these salaries. It's a direct result of, of, of their salaries are direct result of our TV companies paying what they pay. But ultimately um, the fans are, are going to revolt on this and it, it's really disappointing. And, and again, you know, I, 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 I don't think the answer is just as simple as let's go to 72 games because, you know, you're still going to have back-to-backs. You're still going to have, um, the occasional three games and four nights or, or whatever, you know, or, or, you know, and what you just brought up is the new thing now where it's not even, 
okay, we've played X amount of games in, in, in X amount of days. It's how can we um, take advantage of rest days, right? So if we, if we rest tonight, it's not that we've played three games in, in four nights. It's that we get four days or three days off our feet, you know? So, so to me, um, you know, I think there should be a reduction of games. Long, long, long story short, I, I do think there should be a reduction of games. I, it just scares me that, you know, the science is still going to point to why guys should have a night off. Yeah, and those of us who are paid on a per game basis definitely do not want to see a reduction in right, games. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it would impact a lot of people yeah. uh, financially. But, but that aside, I, I agree with you, Jared, that if we cut it down to seventy-two, let's say, right. there's going to be. Somebody in sports science is going to say, well, you, you need to take this game off, load management, et cetera. Yep. There, there will be reasons why guys will not play. Let's get back to the, the topic of contenders in the mm-hmm. NBA. We're coming down to the end of the regular season. How many legitimate championship contenders are there right now? And would you include the Grizzlies in that mix? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it'd be hard to count them out. Um you know, obviously, the, the only team you feel great about putting in that conversation is Phoenix right now. They're, they're the most complete team. Um, they know who they are. They've been there before. They've got that chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, in the East, I think it's it's very convoluted right now. Um, based on what I've seen lately, even though they've won three straight, I don't, I'm not buying Miami like I was three weeks ago. Uh, I am buying Milwaukee. Um, the Boston Celtics almost feel like a team who, was down 35 in a game and made it a three-point game, forced overtime, and then got shut out 12 nothing in overtime, right? Like, are they going to have enough gas in the tank after what they've put together here right. uh, since, really, January 1st? Um, and then there's all these wild cards. Philadelphia is a wild card. And, and I'm, on, I'm on the verge right now of, of tossing them on the outside. I I... I the more I talk about it out loud, the less confident I feel about Philadelphia, Brooklyn wild card. But again, you know, in a game where you got to win last night uh, in Atlanta, you go and lay an egg, um, even though Kevin Durant scores 55 um, golden state is to me, the biggest wild card here because I've just seen them this year be incredible. Like they look like the, the 20, I won't say the 2015 16, but I'll say that the 2014 15 Warriors at times. Um, and, and so to me, they're the, the Warriors are the biggest wild card. Steph Curry comes back, um, and Clay plays the way he played last night, and, and Draymond can play defensively the way he plays. I, I, I really feel like Draymond's the best defensive player in basketball. So, um, how many? So the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Warriors, the Bucks. I'll say there's four legitimate contenders. Yeah, and and Utah in a game against Golden State, Ugh. albeit on the road, how do you blow Ugh. a 21-point lead with against a team without Steph Curry? And, and obviously, after, Clay was after, fantastic. Right. After blowing a 25-point lead a couple of nights earlier to the Clippers, game I did, like you've got to think you've learned from that, right? Um, and, and Utah is using the excuse, which is valid for them, that they're missing pieces, that they, they're not who, you know. But the bottom line is every every team this year, every team has gone a significant portion of the season without a key player. So Right, <laughs> including the Grizzlies. Yes. And, 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 and things have worked out, which we talked about Taylor Jenkins and the job that he's done. A year ago, we had a very animated conversation about awards. 
Yes. I don't. Uh, team broadcasters don't get to vote. You get a vote, correct? <laughs> yes, you are I voting, do. correct? Okay. Yes. Uh, MVP last year, we had a very, very good discussion about what the most valuable player should be or what mm-hmm. it means. Um, to me, when you look at Nikola Jokic and what he has done in Denver with as many missing pieces as they have mm-hmm. had without Michael Porter Jr. and without Jamal Murray, uh, and the fact that, that they're in the mix very well could be a top six team. I have him at the top of the list. Giannis is a player who could, who could win it virtually every year mm-hmm. because of the numbers he puts up. Embiid, you're not buying the, the Sixers anymore. So I, I'm guessing Embiid maybe slides down your MVP ladder. Who you got? I'm, I'm with you. I, I got Jokic right now. I think over the last couple of weeks, Giannis has really made me think. He's really, really put my brain to the test. Um, and as we speak right now, you know, watching closely what he's doing this afternoon as, as we record this. Um, yeah, like, and, and the crazy thing is, um, you know, we're talking about guys who just fill up the stat sheet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's those three in my mind. You mentioned it. It's Jokic. It's Embiid. It's Giannis. And for the longest time, I had it in that order. Um, over the last, if I had to submit my vote right now, I would switch it. I would go Jokic, Giannis, Embiid. Um, but it's just crazy to me how, like, you know, you have Embiid and Giannis who are vying for the scoring title. And the craziest thing, as we, I've just learned now, LeBron's not going to play today. LeBron, so, so starting, including today, the Lakers have five games left. LeBron's got to play two of them to qualify for the scoring title. That is what, like, there is no chance that LeBron misses four games and does not qualify for the scoring title. Like, right. there's no way he'll, he will at least step on the court, right? But then if you step on the court, you got to be able to score, right? And he's got to put up near 30 points. Um, it's crazy to me that Embiid and Giannis, like last year, well, I think the conversation you and I had is, is how I look at the MVP race and, and, and I view it as a fingerprint each year where there's a unique set of circumstances and a lot of it is carried over from impact on winning to stats, to the eye test, to all this stuff. But the fact that Giannis and Embiid are right there for the scoring lead and Jokic, by the way, you know, is only is, is less than four points off of them in 10th place, which shows how much scoring there has been this year. Um, and, and all the other things that Jokic does, it's, it's remarkable, but it, it does come down to like, if you watch Jokic on a regular basis, um, it's, it's, it's to me compelling. I, I, I was speaking to a friend last night about the best player in basketball. And there's three arguments to me. There's, you have the Jokic argument, you have the Giannis argument, and you have the Kevin Durant argument. To me, the best player in basketball. And there are three very different reasons. And Jokic, the fact that he's done this with, without the supporting cast that he has around, like, I don't think the, av- I don't think the above average NBA fan, Pete, right now could tell you the other four players in the Nuggets starting line. I, I don't think the the above average NBA fan could do that. So to me, uh, as I talk through this again, just to kind of get my brain going, I, I think it's I think it's Jokic. And that is part one of our conversation with Jared Greenberg of NBA TV and the NBA on TNT, getting his thoughts about contenders in the NBA and most valuable player. In part two of our conversation, we'll talk about what's going on with the Lakers, what's going on with Brooklyn Nets, and also his pick for Coach of the Year. 
That's a wrap for episode 35 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind being brought to you by Hoop City Basketball Club and by DraftKings Sportsbook. also want to tell you if you are looking for a special greeting, it could be a birthday greeting, an anniversary greeting, it could be a congratulatory message, it could be uh, a message of encouragement. I am on Cameo, so go to Cameo.com, search for Pete Pranica, and if you'd like me to record a personalized message for someone special in your life, more than happy to do that. More than happy to do that. So uh, that's, uh, as I said, that's a wrap. We'll be back with you on Thursday with part two of our conversation with Jared Greenberg. Grizzlies will be uh, in the process of wrapping up their regular season road schedule. They will play Tuesday in Salt Lake City and then Thursday against the Denver Nuggets before coming home for a weekend back-to-back against New Orleans and Boston on Saturday and on Sunday. I'm Pete Pratica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.